Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi friends, I'm so grateful you're here with us today for the Fully Restored podcast. Before we jump into my interview with today's guest, I wanted to let you know that during our conversation today, there is some discussion that is best listened to away from children's ears. I so appreciate my guests who are transparent and real and who are giving us hope on the other side as well. Please be mindful of your own triggers and know we are discussing these things to bring them to the light of Jesus and to help individuals find their own healing. Thanks, friends. And now to my interview. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I am so thrilled to be joined by Don Scott Damon, who is a contributing author to the She Writes for Him, Stories of Resilient Faith book. Dawn is not only an overcomer, but she is someone who is on the forefront, plowing the pathway for others to find their own healing. Welcome to the show, Dawn. Hey, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for having the courage to tackle this situation and conversation. Absolutely. That is all about what I am about here on the Fully Restored podcast is talking about those uncomfortable topics Mm -hmm. and creating a safe environment where we can talk and others feel heard and that we see them and giving them hope. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I think that's so critically important, as you just said, that people feel heard, they have a safe place to hear others' experiences, and then to be able to find the courage to share their own story someday. So great job. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Okay, before we jump in, Don, share with us just one or two fun facts about yourself. You know, you asked me about fun facts, and I just have to say the funnest, if I can use that as a word, the <laughs> most fun thing about me that I can think of is that I actually am a grandmother of 11 grandchildren. And the grandchildren, they are such a joy. I started out early in life and then my daughter started out early in having her children. So I became a young grandma very early. What a joy it is to have these 11 little grandkids. But the other day I had four little girls in my back seat and we were going shopping grandma shopping. And I heard the conversation with the children in the back seat, and they were saying to one of the cousins, you know, stop being such a know-it-all. You, you don't know everything. Stop being a know-it-all. And my other little granddaughter said, I'm not being a know-it-all. It's just, I know a little bit about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my calling in life. I just know a little bit about everything. Oh, that is so good. And you are so blessed with 11 grandchildren. We have three and our family is ever growing. And I just love being a grandparent. It truly does bring so much joy, huh? It does. It's just God's reward for not hurting our own kids, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
Well, Dawn, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family? Sure. So, you know, first and foremost, I am deeply in love with my husband and my family, as I've just mentioned. And so I'm a wife and a mom and a grandma, and I have just enjoyed the adult friendship of my children so much. And that's another great reward in life, just to have these great friendships with my kids is a joy. But I am a full-time lead pastor of a multicultural church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it's called Tribes. And I quote Revelation 7, 9, it's around the throne of God, every tongue, nation, and tribe will be praising God. And so we love the beauty of God's mosaic and multiculturalism. I'm an author of five books and a podcast host of three shows. So I'll have to have you on my podcast as well, Kristen. And I'm a, the founder and CEO of a empowerment women's ministry called the Freedom Girl Sisterhood, where I am known as a freedom coach. And I'm a life coach, a freedom coach, helping women just find a full life, a free life, a fierce life. And so those are the things that take up most of my time. Wow. You are one busy woman of God. And I love that you are a lead pastor. I'm not sure if you realize I'm also a pastor and I'm a licensed counselor as well. And that just blesses me so much to see women stepping into the fullness of who God created them to be. And I'm going to have to have you come back to talk about that another time, because that is something that is really important for women to move beyond the barriers and step into who God created them to be. It is. And I know that's not what this is about, but just in case that did perk somebody's ears, I mean, you keep going after your calling girl because yeah, the most courageous thing you can do some days is just show up and keep believing and going forward because, yep, it can be a lonely road and not a lot of people may cheer you on. But God, if he's called you, you know, God is for you who can be against you. Amen. And what we're talking about today is about your story, the story of your past, which started when you were young. But what mm-hmm. I love is that we're talking to you today and you have overcome your past. And I think that there are women that maybe where they're ready to step into who God created them to be, but there's also women that are having to work past their past history. And so Dawn, could you share with us the story of your childhood? Sure. You know, I think you said I have overcome my past and indeed I truly have. I believe even more importantly, I am what I am today because of my past. Yeah. And I know you understand that difference. And maybe the ladies listening today, or even men, to don't despise your past and don't be ashamed of the past, but understand that when you give that story to God, he works it together for your good and for the good of others that now you literally are pushed into your destiny because of what you've had to overcome. Because, you know, if I had not had to overcome childhood abuse and loneliness and abandonment. If I did not overcome that, if I had not had that in my life, I don't know that I would have pressed as hard into God. I wouldn't have pushed forward into healing. Maybe I would have just been okay. So I really am at the place now where I'm at peace with it. And I, and I say, God, thank you that you allow me to do what I do today because I went through this test and this trial But yes, I have such a dichotomy in my childhood because I believe that I was raised in a home where the backdrop was love, 
maybe a twisted kind of love, but I felt cared for. I felt loved. We did go to church every Sunday. I loved Jesus as a little girl. My grandparents on both sides were pastors, and I can remember being in their churches. So I just always remember good memories and feelings about Jesus, about love, about the Bible. And yet there came a place in time where in my life and my family, I am the third daughter. There's three of us girls. And I remember the day. Well, I remember the season. The day is a bit foggy. I don't have all my memories fully of when things began, although I have very clear memories. But my daytime hero became a predator by night. And I was being sexually molested on a regular basis by my own father. And, you know, when you begin to have trauma, your body is going to have an automatic response. We've heard of the fight and flight response. And that kind of makes sense when you feel like you fight off a predator or you fly, you get out of there, you leave, you run. But I had never heard of the freeze, which I now know is very common. But that's what happened to me. I just froze. I pretended that I was asleep. I was dead. I was lifeless. I was unengaged. And in a way, I just completely dissociated. And so I just became a participant in molestation because I didn't know how to fight, nor would I have dared to. And so because of that, um, again, because I was always in sort of this dreamlike state, I would wake up in the morning and I would pretend that it was a bad dream or that it didn't matter. I didn't need to talk to anyone. I just press it down, pretend, bury it, ignore it, shove it down, whatever I had to do, keep my secret, be quiet, and then just get busy with life. Just put it in a compartment that said, I might think about that later, but right now I have to survive. So I'm going to just continue to go on. But yes, at the hands of my father, and I would later find out, I won't tell their story because it's their story, but my sisters, we all shared a similar story and so many details that I can share. But just in case somebody says, oh, so you're not sure you were abused. No, no, I was very, I'm very sure I was abused and I've had many conversations about it with my dad after that. So yes, I do know that I was sexually molested by my dad. But I just, at that time, I cannot remember the first time it happened, and I can't really remember when it ended, although I know I was probably somewhere about 10 when it started, and about 17, I think, was the last time. Wow. And you bring up some really powerful things for women to understand when you talk about the memories, because a lot of people do have very clear memories, and some of the memories are just in bits and pieces. Your age frame of when you were abused was 10 to 17, and for some that listened to us, their abuse was um, much younger. And the thing about memories is we often think that memories are only stored in pictures, but our memories are stored in our senses. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we can come in contact with somebody and we're not sure why we're uncomfortable with them, but it could be something that we see, something that we smell, something about them that is triggering a memory. And um, so I'm very thankful that you brought that up because women need to understand that about memories and also understand that we block out our memories. Freeze, you know, disassociating, 
That's mm-hmm. I'm just going to put my memories someplace else so I don't have to think about them just so I can cope with life. Those are things that we can overcome. But that in the that season is something that is helping us to cope with something that's very devastating. First, it's very uh automatic what our body does and how it spares us and probably keeps us alive in some way if that's what our body chose to do was to freeze because we in a nanosecond we can discern our surroundings and our brain instantly knows what is the best response for us it's an an incredible thing but if we just froze that's what we needed to do There's a lot of shame, though, that's associated with that response. It doesn't feel as stellar or as heroic as fighting or flying. It feels like, well, you just laid there and took it. But that's just what I know instinctively needed to be. But because of that shame, you do want to forget that memory. And you talk about our body or our brain remembering our things in bits and pieces. If you did take that picture If you saw the full picture and then you took it and you ripped it up into about 40,000 pieces and then flipped it all up into the air, that's how it lands. It's just these little bits and pieces here and there. And so you'll get a snapshot or a trigger or here's here's half an arm. What does that mean? And here's here's a picture of a, a pink blanket. What is that telling me? What is why am I responding to this? Because it's just little thousands of sticky notes floating around. So, yeah, you're right. It's really. Well, it's the healing work and the healing process that we go through to find our story again and to to understand how it impacted us and how it shaped us. Absolutely. So as part of our Redemption from Abuse series here on the Fully Restored podcast, Dawn, could you tell us briefly about your fully restored story? We talked about your childhood. What was that fully restored story for you? Well, I have to just say, first of all, really giving my life to Jesus Christ, like fully surrendering. Because in that moment, that was the instant healing in terms of fully complete, fully restored in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 clearly tells us that when we come to Christ, we're a new creation. That being said, that was my position in Christ, fully 100% righteous, 100% of the time, not because of anything I did, not because of anything I earned, but just the complete, perfect gift of Jesus coming into my life. But then it's as if God took my hand and said, now we're going to walk and you're going to walk out your restoration every day. And there's going to be more and more healing. And as I thought about my restoration story, I just will remember very important moments of healing. And one specifically at a women's retreat, because I had never told my story in its entirety. I had not heard my own story come out of my mouth in a safe place. I had carried a lot of shame, and I covered that shame by performing and being performance-oriented, or oriented, that I would do those things to, to make sure that I achieved enough and built enough success or was thin enough or pretty enough or whatever I could do, whatever I could control. And so I remember going to a women's conference and this was like no women's conference I had ever experienced before. This was something where the women built a set, a background set that looked like the Holy of Holies, if you could even picture or imagine that. There were 
women who were wearing outfits that looked like angels. And it was almost like they had recreated heaven. There was this place where we could go into the beloved, the tent of the Holy of Holies and meet with God. It was this just beautiful women's conference where there was perfume and oils. And what it did was it engaged all my senses, as you talk about it, engaged my full being. And as I think back about it, Kristen, I was just so hungry for Jesus. I was hungry for friendships with women. I was hungry to grow in my faith. And this women's retreat engaged all of my senses and it opened up really, I believe the right side of my brain where I was having an emotional and a physical experience, a kinetic experience, if you will. I was fully engaged in this spiritual retreat. And it was in that moment where the Holy Spirit began to speak to me for the first time. And one of the scriptures that he gave me was Psalm 34, 5, 3, 4, 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces will never be put to shame. And the retreat was about removing the layers of shame. And one after another, the healing became so obvious and apparent as God began to move into my story. Memory after memory, I was seeing those sticky notes. I was seeing those broken pieces of that picture floating down into my memory as Jesus was saying, I was there with you, Dawn. I took that healing. I took that pain. I gave you healing. I took that abuse. I gave you wholeness. I took that shame. I'm giving you my confidence. And it was just like in real time. And yet so very, very quickly over a period of maybe 20 minutes where I was just kind of on my face before God, where the Lord just gave me a healing in my life and a healing of memories that it wasn't over but I was well on the road to recovery. And I went from that, that weekend, walking in as a victim, unloved, feeling ashamed, feeling abandoned, walking out certain of my identity in Jesus Christ. But the truest thing about me was, I am who he says I am. Loved, holy, chosen, capable, beautiful, forgiven, purified, washed, I walked out knowing who I was in Jesus Christ. That was the beginning of the healing for me. And then another point I'll just tell you quickly was Psalm 51, 6, where the scripture says of the psalmist that surely God, you desire truth in the inner parts. And I began to realize that I had parts inside of me, if you will, dissociated, whatever you want to call it. I believe we're the sum total of every age we've ever lived. So I know there's a little seven-year-old in there and an eight and a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old in, inside of my heart and mind. But as the psalmist said, you desire truth in the inner parts. And we don't really know what that word inner parts means. It's a Hebrew word that says deep in the bowels, like it's so deep inside of us. And God began to give me truth that I, I began to uncover lies as God would bring them to my mind that the lie was you have to be sexual to be loved. And God said, no, that's not true. The lie was that you have to perform to be accepted. No, that's not the truth. The lie is that you can't be forgiven. Your sin is so, so much. No, God can forgive. You can't ever be new. No, he makes all things new. So that I began to get God's truth to replace those lies. And that was the transformation that was happening in my life. And still it's happening today. I love that illustration about the truth in the inner parts. And really, 
you said some very powerful things throughout all of that. A couple of things that stood out to me. You found your position in Christ, but you had to walk it out. And, you know, talking about the memories and where they're stored and that this whole experience that you had at this retreat was about learning to walk it out and learning to face the things that you've been fearing and learning. I always tell people in counseling, okay, tell yourself the truth. So when you have these thoughts that are coming at you, such as you're to blame, no, the truth is I was seven years old and how am I to blame? for what somebody did to me. Right. right? And so telling yourself the truth and God was just taking you through and doing surgery and saying, Oh no, right here. That's not truth. And putting in place, this is the truth in your heart and in your inner parts. And I absolutely love that illustration. And I think so many women can relate to that and understand that as you were sharing that. So I'm really grateful for that illustration. You know, what you're saying is tell yourself the truth and don't say it in your mind, say it out loud. Yes. And write it down and repeat it and make those powerful affirmations on a regular basis because you have to, you know, build those new neural pathways because sometimes our mind automatically goes to the old, to the rubbish, to the lie, to that narration that you were renewing the mind by speaking that truth on a regular basis. So that's so powerful. As you're talking, I was thinking about another illustration. I'm an illustration person and a bike pathway, a dirt bike pathway. And over time, if bikes continue to go on that, there's grooves that are developed within there. And so when you're riding, you automatically just go into the grooves. And what you're talking about is creating new pathways in your mind is we have to purposely bump our thoughts or bump the bike to go outside of the grooves in our thinking. It takes work and it's hard. And so that's why, you know, you have a thought And you say to yourself out loud, no, the truth is blah, 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 whatever it is. And no, that's a lie. That is not truth. That is what my experience, that's what my old thinking tells me. But God says, this is who I am and quote God's scripture back to him. He tells us to do that. And all of that helps to reframe and build new pathways within our minds. So I love that illustration you gave there as well. Yeah. And to remember too, that it doesn't have to feel true in order for it to be true. That's right. You know, we want to engage our emotions and yet at the same time, they can be so very deceiving. So feel what you're feeling, of course, but don't think that you have to feel like it's true in order for it to be true. Feelings will, will come in time. So you might feel like the biggest fraud when you're saying I am loved by God and inside everything is going, no, I don't feel God's love at all. But you know what? Something has to bow either that you're not loved by God and then that makes the word of God not true and God to be a liar. Or guess what? My emotions and my feelings, they need to change and need to morph and transform because something's not lining up. (laughs) Yeah. And add to that, Lord, help me to embrace your love, to understand your love for me. And, um, you know, because we can, that victim thinking says, I don't feel loved, but stepping beyond that, walking out your healing is saying, okay, I don't feel loved, but God help me to understand your love because I am basing it on my past experience Mm -hmm. and my past experience shows that love is distorted. So God, I want your whole truthful 
love, the love that you, who you really are and not what my past experiences help me to see that, to feel that and experience that in my life personally. Yes. Right on. Yeah. We're preaching at one another. (laughs) Oh man. It's just so good. Isn't it? Yes, Yes. absolutely. Because that's the truth that sets us free. It is. The truth is, which we didn't plan on going this direction, everyone. But the truth is, is that one of the things that I think is the most damaged in us from sexual abuse is our perception of love. Yes, I agree. Um, Now, I know because I, too, have a story of sexual abuse. So I don't want you to feel like, oh, she doesn't understand. No, I do understand. I have my own story of sexual abuse. But what I've come to realize in the healing that God has done in my life and becoming a counselor and becoming a pastor is that the greatest damage that happened to me, yes, I was damaged emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, but the biggest damage was my perception and understanding of love. As you said, um, the things that you know we have to perform. So I thought I had to perform to get love. I thought I had to do things that would uh, allow me to have love when instead it was God just loves us. Yes. It's nothing we have to do. God just loves us. It just is because God doesn't have love. He is love. Yeah. And I think, Kristen, also, you're so right that the greatest damage is this perception or misperception of love. And incredibly so if your abuser was a family member or someone who did love you or said that they loved you, if it was a father or a mother or an uncle or a brother or any caring adult in your life, it is such a convoluted mix versus if it was a stranger, it's still damaging, but there is something about incest or abuse at the hands of so-called caring adult that really begins to distort that picture of love. And they tell you that this is what love is. So it is very distorted and only God through the power of the word, his truth can begin to rearrange and realign that perception for us. Absolutely. So now we're going to kind of fast forward. You went forward with your life. As you said, you had to walk it out. You got married. You became a pastor. Did the effects of sexual abuse continue to impact your life well past that? Absolutely, they did. And, you know, I know that many people have written books or articles that talk about, you know, it's a process, it's a journey, it's a lifelong thing. I do agree with that for the most part. I will say that I'm mostly healed because I live a very full life, a beautiful life, a healthy life, a restored life, but I still struggle with some physical and biological things as a result of abuse, like, for example, episodes at time throughout my life where I've had anxiety, panic attacks, I've had depression. That was a one episode, but anxiety many times, chemical imbalance. I've had emotional residue, fear of intimacy and trust issues throughout my life. And those things all got as brought me through, but there was physical things. I didn't learn to trust my body or love my body. I didn't learn how to water ski until I was 50 because I didn't know if my body would work for me. I was not used to being physical in terms of athletic. 
that was one of the residues of my abuse that I, I wanted to hide my body or not use my body. I didn't know how to trust it or learn even dancing or having fun, you know, because running, dancing, moving, that is very healing to you emotionally and physically in spiritual ways, you know, knowing and trusting the love of the father. Yes, I love God, but I also learned, you know, I wondered about my associations and my attachment when I was little. I can remember 10, but what if it did start when I was two or three or four? I don't know. I really don't remember. So it's possible that abuse started even pre-verbal for me. So there are some attachment things like, am I, do I know how to have close relationships or are my relationships too close? Do I over trust or do I not trust enough? So I vacillated throughout the years. You know, I've been in the healing journey for 35 years. So those are all things I know I'm speaking very quickly, but these are all categories or areas where we will continue to find new levels of healing as we go along. I was married for 28 years and I lost that marriage due to abandonment. My husband for 28 years and then one day he left and he left for good and he never returned. I went for over two years and never saw him, didn't know where he was. And so that marriage ended. It was, I remember a sad day when a private detective told me they found him and they served them divorce papers because I had to protect myself financially. If I didn't know. And I remember weeping and weeping and weeping profusely because he was alive. And I thought maybe he was dead. And I, in the rejection that you chose to leave me. And that's another whole story. But I had to go all the way back and I have a saying, Kristen, that says when it's hysterical, it's historical. And I had the right to cry about this because it was a very huge issue, but it almost felt like it wasn't just my husband that left me. It was my father that left me. It was an abandonment issue all over again. And there was a grief that was so deep inside of me. So yes, we are always on this journey, but I love God. I love Jesus, I love preaching the word. I'm a strong girl. I got some fight in me and some fire in me and I'm courageous and all those things that are great that, you know, God uses. But remember that song that a long time ago, what was her name? She sang it. The warrior is a child. Yeah. And, and then, you know, I still run home to my father, God, and picture myself crawling up on his lap and saying, okay, God, you got to hold me right now. Cause I just, I'm hurting, you know? And what a beautiful picture of who to run to when we're struggling, because what stronghold do we run to? Because a stronghold is a place of safety and protection. And many of us could run to anxiety, could run to drugs or alcohol, could run to idols and other people, could run to God. We have an option of who we're going to run to. Running into the arms of our father, our heavenly father, is the place to be. And especially because you're talking about somebody who's experienced abuse by their father. And so for you to be able to have that image where your heavenly father is the safe place for you to run to is huge. That shows the depth and the level of healing that God has done in your life. 
And I think of those listeners right now who are saying, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can only trust God up to a point because it was my father that abused me. True. That was a walk in itself. Yeah. So with your life experience, your background as a pastor, where God has brought you today, what are two or three things you can share with our listeners as they begin their journey of healing? Well, I believe, like I said a moment ago, of course, it does come with a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the beginning point. And if you have not experienced that, it's so simple just to say, Jesus, come into my life. I don't want to run my life. I I make you my Lord because he has the true story of your life. Like we were talking about, we all have this narrative. We tell our story that it's time to believe God's story for your life. He says that you're beautiful. You're made in his image. He loves you. He has a divine plan for your life. So let someone Jesus first. And then I would say, let someone else into your story. If you've never told anyone, you need to. And in fact, a caring individual, someone who is trusted, someone who will not, their first question won't be, well, why didn't you tell anyone? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you scream? Someone who understands the nature of trauma, tell your story, give dignity to yourself, honor yourself with that story, honor what God wants to do in your life by allowing yourself to hear that story and then start that journey, start that healing process. And it is a process, right? Amen. Be gentle with yourself. Be patient with yourself. Most survivors, Kristen, that I've talked to, I will tell you that they have struggled loving themselves. There's some self-loathing there. There's a lot of rejection. They may have body armored up. They may feel like they're overweight. They hide, They or they, they may have swung the other way and they're very flamboyant, but they're just not comfortable yet with their true authentic self and who God created them to be. So be patient with yourself. Take the next right step. Don't just think things get better with time. No, they don't. Who told you that? That's a lie. (laughs) They don't get better with time. Things get better with recovery, active recovery, healing. Things get better when Jesus starts to unpeel the layers. That's when things start to get better as you walk it out, take the next courageous step. So I really encourage women to be active in their healing. And yes, it takes bravery. Yes, you might have some physical sensations. You might feel sad, but at least you're getting your emotions. You're thawing out. You're not frozen. You're not numb. So I really encourage women with the help of a professional to begin to pursue their healing journey. Amen. So in our last few moments that we have here, Dawn, could you lead us in prayer? I'm just thinking of the women that are listening and so many thoughts are swirling through their mind right now of the conversations we've had, of the tips that you've given, and they're struggling. Could you close Mm -hmm. us in prayer ministering to those women in specific? Yes. And so as I pray for you right now, just put your hand on your heart because God wants to minister to you. And I want you to just say, this prayer is for me. This is for me. This is true for me. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and plans to give you hope, plan that is good for you to prosper you and not to harm you. And this is true for you. So God, would you just enter into the story of my sister, my brother, who's listening? Would you begin the healing process, Lord? as they are willing for the first time perhaps to submit this pain to you, to submit the wound to you, to lay down 
the tough girl facade or the I got it all together man facade and just say, Jesus, will you restore me? Will you help me? Will you heal me? And so I thank you by the power of your Holy Spirit now, God, that you begin to reveal what truth is. You begin to confront those lies that like cords have bound them. God, would you just begin to minister now in the dark recesses, places where there has been shame and voices of lie, doubt, persecution, hurt, ridicule, mockery. And we just silence all of that in the name of Jesus. And we say, may the truth of Jesus Christ set you free. And may that healing journey begin right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Dawn, for joining us today. What a powerful story that you have. And I am so grateful for this time that we've had together. And I look forward to having you on future shows as well. Thank you so much. And I look forward to being on future shows <laughs> and I look forward to having you on my show. We got to talk about the pastor thing. Praise God for you and for the work that you're doing. I, I'm so thankful for you, Kristen. Thank you so much. It's been a Thank joy. Thank you. Thank you. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, podcast.fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. We would appreciate it if you would leave a rating as well on whatever platform you're listening to us. I would love to stay connected with you, so be sure to find me on Instagram or on my Facebook page at author Kristen Klaus. For all the links of how to stay in contact with Dawn, that's going to be found with the show notes at my website. I hope you enjoyed this episode today, a fully restored podcast. I I hope that it sparked within you a desire to begin to walk it out, to recognize that God is with you in the journey and that it's truly a journey of healing that we're on. It's not just this one time moment where everything just seems to fall away. I'm excited for the tools that Dawn has shared with us, and I pray that they will take root within each of you. And remember, friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.